0: What's up, y'all? Uh, good morning. My name is Alvin. For those of you who are here for the first time, I serve as lead pastor of the church, and I want to thank you guys for coming. I want to thank everybody who's watching online. I appreciate you tuning in. Pray that you feel uh, at home while you're at home or wherever you're watching. You might be watching in your car. I'm not. No, don't watch in your car. Maybe you listen in your car. I'm just going to stop talking, but thank you for being here. Uh, I am really excited about where we are, where we are as a church, Nashville Life. Um, first of all, the new, the new building is still just a blessing. Every time I walk in, I'm just grateful. For those of you who don't know, we just moved in here December of last year. And uh, this is our soft opening. Our sanctuary is upstairs. We're still being worked on. And... Um, but this is our children's area, actually, where we're where we are right now, is where the kids will worship on Sundays. Um, but it hasn't stopped y'all from from coming. We are growing. We had our uh second largest service we've ever had in 10 years, uh last Sunday. Last Sunday, we kinda I think 450 people were in this room, but both services, you know, and it's just nuts seeing just the just the momentum that's happening at the moment and just seeing the new faces and the familiar faces and just, it's, it's a, I'm very grateful. It's very humbling. Um, we knew, believed this day would come, but just to actually be in it, um, it's just, it's worth all the effort that we put in. So I just wanna thank you guys for being a part of this sweet season for our church. Uh, we had a, our first mission strip interest meeting yesterday. We're going to Kenya in October. Um, October 5th, and that's for an eight-day trip. And I was expecting maybe 20, 25 max. We had 53 people here to show interest of going to Kenya with us. And, and that's not even including people that were working that wanted to come. So uh, really great things are happening, and I'm just just uh, basking in it, honestly. But uh, if you are interested in being a part of or at least getting more information about this missions trip, in Kenya, we're going to Nyeri, which is a bit north of Nairobi, and uh, we're going to build a church out there. There's a church that's growing that has a lot of needs, and we're going to actually do the construction work, and we're going to do crusades and connect with the community. So if you're interested in that kind of uh, ministry, just uh, email admin, that's A-D-M-I-N, admin at NashvilleLifeChurch.com, and I'll put you guys on the communication list so you can stay up on what we're doing and join if you so desire. And then Baptism Sunday. Today is we baptized three people in first service. It's awesome. And we've got some more today. My my shirt's a little wet from, from doing it, but I was like, I'll just tell them in case they're curious. Yeah, you might have not noticed, but it's a little whatever. But it's uh it's, it's it's uh a really, really big honor for me to baptize people, I think it's a very courageous choice, and I think it's an obedient choice. The word tells us to to do it. So, I mean, I'm all for, you know, feeling motivated to do it, but it's cool to do it just because you want to be obedient. You don't have to necessarily feel something, Um, and if you you just want to obey God in this step of being baptized in water, uh, I recommend you do it. Um, Obedience is definitely the way for the believer, right? So uh, please join us between now and the end of the message. Uh, we got a team in the back that will be happy to get you changed and get you clothes to change into. And at the end of the service, we're going to baptize people right here. So uh, excited about that. I've got um, our founding pastors here. Pastors Love and Cece, they're always here. But I loved honoring them. And my dad's sister, my Aunt Phyllis, is here today. She's so beautiful. All the way from California, yay. Good to see you. Troll from California, wow. Well, she didn't, but she was in the car. Which is, a, which is a task in itself. So thank you for being here. We're honored to have you. We love you. And uh, let's get into the message. Uh, before we get into scripture, we like to kind of prepare our minds and our hearts through declaration. So let's say these words, say the word, of God is the, bread of life. the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. In the name of Jesus, amen. Awesome. Amen. With well, a theme for 2022 at Nashville Life, it's withstanding the wind. Withstanding the wind is the theme for our year. That's what I believe that the Lord is leading our particular church to focus on. And it's inspired by a passage in Matthew chapter 3. And this is John the Baptist speaking about Jesus. And this is how John describes Jesus. He says his winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. The winnowing fan is a tool that's used when you're harvesting wheat. It's a separation process that takes the wheat, the part that we eat, and separates it from the chaff, the part that's on the wheat that we don't eat. And the tool, this process, I should say, involves and uses the winds, the natural winds that are in the air. And the thing about chaff is it's very light and loose, and the slightest wind can blow it away, but the wheat has this built-in weight to it that's able to withstand the wind that blows. So this process really utilizes the natural winds to separate the wheat from the chaff. And this is a metaphor to the harvest that Jesus is gathering for the Father in heaven. And... He uses winds that are happening in our lives and in the world to separate the wheat from the chaff. And as the body of Christ, we are that harvest. And I believe coming every Sunday and reading your Bible, doing your two-a-days, which hopefully you guys are doing your two-a-days, reading the Bible in the morning and at night, what it's doing, it's building your faith to where you have a weight to you that's able to withstand the wind, and, and it's, it's more than just a cool idea. This is actually a matter of life and death. The Bible script, the scripture prophesies that in the last days there's going to be a great falling away, a lot of people who are currently believers, the Bible says are going to leave the faith and walk away from the faith because the winds are going to prove to be too strong. And this is not to scare us, but it's important for us to be aware, and Scripture tells us to be vigilant. Again, not afraid, but also not ignorant to that there are winds, because the thing about the wheat, even though it's not blown away by the winds, it is challenged by the wind. The Bible, that that winnowing process, the the wheat still feels the wind. It still, you still feel it coming against you, but the cool thing about wheat is it's able to withstand the wind. So this church, this week, this year, is focused on focusing on building up the ability to to withstand the winds of our time. And there's a lot of winds, more than I can cover in a year. But each month, I'm wanting to focus on a particular wind. Uh, and this month, in February, we're focusing on what we're calling the winds of self-dependence. The winds of self-dependence. There's a trend within humanity to depend on one's self. The definition of self-dependence in Webster is simple. Dependence on one's own resources or efforts. Dependence on one's own resources or efforts and this is a very prevalent wind in our time even for the believer we find ourselves constantly tempted to lean on our own understandings and depend on our our wealth our youth our health our status and we find a lot of security in these things and those these things are blessings they can't be our security because we'll start to depend on it you depend on what makes you secure whatever you find security in you find yourself depending depending on and the bible warns us many times but particularly in jeremiah that it doesn't end well for people who depend on themselves people who trust in their own strength people who trust in their own intellect the bible warns us that for those people it doesn't end well and in fact the bible uses an even more heavy language than that it actually says that people are cursed who depend on themselves so Again, as the body of Christ, we're, it's important for us to avoid the, the, the traps and, and the routes that take us towards misfortune and, and go to the way of Jesus, which is the way, the truth, the life, and it leads to blessings. It leads to heaven. It leads to abundant life and eternal life, and that's what we want, right? There's, there's a passage that really talks about the tension that human beings have uh, learning to trust in God and depend on grace, and opposed to depending on one's own self, one's own resources, one's own efforts. And there is a man that had a conversation with Jesus. It's a pretty famous uh, conversation, and it's recorded in the book of John chapter 3. And this is the conversation that Jesus has with a man named Nicodemus. So we're going to talk about uh, him in this conversation that's in John chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. And this is what it says There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs. That you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? This was the introduction to a brand new concept that was new then and it's still new now to a lot of us. And that is the concept of being born again. What does it mean to be born again? On this day, on this conversation that was happening between Nicodemus and Jesus, Jesus was giving groundbreaking and even perplexing news to Nicodemus, and eventually to the whole world, that the only way to see the kingdom of heaven, the only way to reach the kingdom of God is through a second birth. A birth that totally replaces and totally overpowers and overrides your first birth. We see this repeated as a cross-reference. I want to bring up the scripture, another very foundational scripture in a Christian's life. And many of you guys have been, if you've been walking with Jesus, you've heard this probably before. And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And as much as we read these scriptures, I think sometimes even though we're reading these words, we, we, we interpret it like it says um, bad things have passed away. But it says old things, so that includes bad things in your past, and it includes good things in your past. And I feel the need to bring this up because a lot of us have reduced the gospel and reduced being born again as just the negative things in your life being washed away. But that's not the full gospel. The Bible says that you get a total reset and everything of your past, including things that you like, are gone. And all things have become new. And the reason why I believe this is uh, something that the Lord wants us to emphasize is because of who Jesus chose to give this news to. I think it's very strategic that Jesus didn't give the news of being born again and the requirement of being born again to someone who had just killed 20 people. I think it's very strategic that Jesus didn't give the news of being born again to someone who was strung out on heroin or, you know, doing some things that all of us socially consider bad things. He gave this news to, uh, let me tell you a little bit of something about Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, and Pharisees were a religious group of people who were determined, sincerely determined, to keep all 600 laws in the Torah. Not only was Nicodemus a Pharisee, but he was a member of the Sanhedrin, which was the elite group of the Pharisees. They served, they served almost like the Supreme Court, so not only were they... Uh, trying to obey 600 laws in the Torah but they were the ones who were the most successful at it and i say most successful because no one totally succeeded and but 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 he was of the elite group that if anybody was getting close to obeying all of the law he was of the group that was the most elite and I think it was very strategic, very on purpose for Jesus to break this groundbreaking news of having to be born again to someone who was very accomplished in his own efforts. Someone who was very prestigious in his nobility and in his religious prowess. He's telling a Sanhedrin, a giant amongst, the, amongst those who are trying to be spiritual, that he has to start all over again. He's telling someone who is considered a sage that he has to become an infant and start all over again. Someone who sees himself as a spiritual giant being told they have to be born a second time and start from scratch is challenging to say the least. Um, I feel empathy. I can, almost, I can imagine what it's like for a man like Nicodemus to get this kind of news. Nicodemus, in true Sanhedrin fashion, starts calculating how is this humanly possible? How can someone who is old be born again? and he starts trying to you know i know i know biology i know how i was born the first time so is that supposed to happen again like i'm i'm going back in my mother's womb and coming out again and crying like a baby and wah, like is that like that's what's happening and as silly as it sounds to us because we all know that that's you know ridiculous but as silly as that sounds to us i truly believe that's how silly we sound when we try to figure out God's plans with our own human understanding. If it wasn't so sad, it would probably be humorous for God to see human beings trying to navigate his plans and his words with what we understand. Nicodemus, who was again... A very accomplished, very prestigious man had no idea how it was humanly possible for a grown man, especially a grown man of his stature, to start over. We've been talking the past couple of weeks on the word grace, and grace is such a gift, and we've been defining it. If you look at scripture, you see that grace, it empowers us with supernatural ability. Can everyone just say supernatural? Supernatural, supernatural means it's, it's beyond what's natural. It, it, it transcends, it supersedes what is naturally possible. And it's so important for us to know that grace is a gift that gives us an ability that supersedes what is humanly possible to us. It's a very foundational truth, but it's one that I have to remind myself multiple times a day. Because we, again, as human beings, if we're not careful, we can start to lean on what we believe is possible within the human realm. But as people of, of, of Christ, people, recipients of grace, we must understand that we've been given a supernatural ability by the grace of God. The second thing that grace does is it frees us from self-dependence. Basically, once you realize that you have been given a gift that supersedes what's naturally possible, you find yourself having to depend on what's naturally possible less and less. And that's when a life of faith really starts. So it sets us free. And though this was difficult news to Nicodemus, I believe it was the best news that he had ever received. Because here you have this man, a religious leader who was putting in sincere effort into obeying every single law in the Torah and and handling the pressure of everybody watching every single thing that he did because not only was he a Pharisee, but he was the elite. So he had a magnifying glass on every single thing he did. And he was actually succeeding and and doing doing as well as he could. But, man, he was receiving news from Jesus in that conversation, there was a gift, a gift that can accomplish what you've been trying to accomplish and failing at. Though giving a valiant effort, you're still not meeting the mark. That's, a sad, that's the tragedy of human efforts. No matter how much sincere effort we give, we will still fall short. But the beautiful, that would be tragic news if it wasn't for grace. Grace. Because grace is the gift that says you don't have to. You don't have to depend on yourself anymore. You don't have to keep pushing in your own strength. I can give you a supernatural ability that can allow you to depend on my power instead of your own. So again, tough news because, I mean, I can see if you, were, you had just kind of started laying a foundation on a house and someone saying wipe it out and start all over but imagine building a really big and a pretty impressive house and I'm hearing that you have to start over. That was what, that's what it was like for Nicodemus. I mean, I can't tell you how many hours and years that he put in to, to finding righteousness this way. And then hearing that, oh, you got to be born a second time. It's like, what? In fact, that's kind of what he said. John 3 verse 9, he goes, how can these things be? Nicodemus, the giant in the faith, the Sanhedrin, the, the the sage of the community is stumped. How can this be that a person can be born a second time? And this was uh, the response that Jesus gave. I'm so glad Nicodemus asked this question because the reply is arguably the most famous scripture that we know today, and that's in verse 16 of John chapter 3, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him, let me emphasize, through him, might be saved. Verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned. But he who does not believe is condemned already. And then it goes as far to explain why this is the case. Why is it the case that whoever is not in the belief of Christ stands condemned? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son. And this is for a lot of you guys in the room who still struggle with the fact that belief in Jesus really is the only way. I know that belief system is becoming more and more controversial, and some of you all have sincerely been challenged. But I'm trying to let you know from the words of Jesus himself, he says that, Those who are condemned are condemned because they have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Verse 19, and this is the condemnation. So I love Jesus. He's really trying to unpack this for us. He's not one of those because I said so, guys. Like he really is. I want you guys to understand what's happening. He starts explaining the condemnation. The condemnation is that the light has come into the world. I thought that was weird, like, you don't think of a light being condemnation, like, how is condemnation equated with light? Like, light's a good thing, right? You would think it was a good thing, but it's not a good thing to everybody, and let me, let me talk about who it's not a good thing for. And men loved darkness rather than light. So it says, and this is the condemnation, I'm reading verse 19, and this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness. The Bible tells us that those who aren't in Christ, before we came to Christ, we loved darkness. And when you love darkness, light is the enemy. When you love darkness, light is a threat. Life, light is something to avoid. Light is something to be scared of. And this is, how the, this is how Jesus is describing men, human beings, loving darkness rather than light. But then it goes on explaining why. It says because their deeds were evil. And I feel the need to just thank God for explaining this because human beings in our society, when we think of people who love darkness, we think of light. Just, like, these really gothic, like, type people that are just listening to a certain kind of music and dressed in a certain kind of way and, you know, doing voodoo in the back. And, like, we just think of all of these things, like, that's who loves darkness. Like, I'm not one of those people. I love, like, happy music. I love sunshine. And we think and we don't don't realize what the word is saying. He's not describing a, a gothic, like, overtly demonic person. People who love darkness rather than the light, the reason for these people that Jesus is describing is because their deeds were evil. The Bible says that all of us have done evil. All of us have sinned. All of us have sinned. So it's not so much that people really just love darkness so much. It's that people have done evil things. We've made mistakes We've fallen short. We have sin in our life. And when you have sin in your life, let me explain verse 20. Jesus explains it, not me. Verse 20, for everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light. So this is rather, this this is not so much a a, a love or appreciation or a lust for, for darkness. It's we've got people who are still trying to hide their sin. And when, when you have, there's a natural, it's very human to want to conceal your mistakes. It's, it's a natural thing. It's very human to want to hide your flaws, to hide your sin. From, from, from little children on to adults, it's a very human thing to want to hide your mistakes and hide your failures. And for that person, when you hear that light is coming you run away from it because light means that your deeds will be exposed, as it says in verse 20. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. So the, Jesus is trying to show us the motive and the reasoning behind people gravitating towards darkness. Is because as long as I'm in darkness, no one can see what I've done. We see this from Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve sinned, what was the first thing they did? Hid. It's human nature. We all have this. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. So when you come to Jesus, you're coming to the light, but you're coming to the light not for your sins to be Uh, for you to be condemned, but for you to be set free. When we come to the Lord, our sins are exposed to him. But the beautiful thing about your sins being exposed to Jesus is the Bible says that Jesus covers them. So often, that's the cool thing about Jesus, like he wants your sins to be covered too, but he wants to be the one who does it. When we cover our own sin, It keeps us from Jesus, and it keeps us condemned. But when we expose our sins to Jesus, he covers them in a way that justifies us. When we cover our sin, it's just a matter of time before we get condemned. The only way to be justified of your sins is if you allow Jesus to cover them. And the only way for Jesus to cover them is if you expose them to him. This is why he prefaced saying, I didn't come to condemn you. But, I, but, I, but my light will expose you. My light will confront some of the most, the worst things about you that you've been hiding for years. All of it is going to be seen by me. But I promise you, you can trust me because I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm not going to tell everybody. I'm going to cover you. Every one of us need this. We all need this. We all need this covering from his blood. And that's what happens when we come to him. So that's the full passage. I had someone at the first service said, thank you so much for teaching the rest of the verses. Because I love John 3.16. But then it goes on to say how a lot of more stuff. (laughs) Which is why you got to read your Bible. Please, guys, especially like Instagram guys, like please don't reduce your devotion to just the sound bites on feeds and feel like that really was your meal for the day. Jesus never intended to exist in your life via sound bites and just little nuggets and catchphrases. I love that. That serves a purpose, but it's not the full meal. You've got to read verse 17 and 18 and 19 too. You know, you can't just be like 16 and that's it. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, but there's the 17. There's an 18. There's a 19 in there that gives you the full the full gospel. I want to just before we get into cuz I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to us baptizing people who want to get baptized today. But I just want to uh yeah, emphasize the necessity of the second birth. Um in order for me to emphasize and reveal the necessity of a second birth, I feel the need to just touch very briefly on the, the greatest, one of the greatest threats, I believe, to the necessity to be born again is what the world calls uh, humanism, and I believe, I believe being born again is a product of grace, and I believe that humanism is a product of self-dependence. And the danger of humanism is that it sounds so good because it glorifies human, human beings, and who doesn't want to be affirmed and because we're all human beings so human, humanism has, has an ability to, to affirm to affirm us in, in very deceptive ways because this is what human does, humanism does. Humanism glorifies the human race prior to the second birth, so when you are when you're hearing the glory and the greatness of the first birth version of human beings, you see the necessity and the need and even the desire for a second birth to go lower and lower. Because if we're so great prior to being born again, then what's the point of being born again? I've kind of got a good thing going now. Human being, humanism glorifies the human being who's not been born again. And they use biblical truths to do it. Humanism uses the biblical truth that we were all created by God, which is true. Amen. Humanism uses the biblical truth that God loves us all, which is true. Amen. Humanism uses the biblical truth that we were made in the image of God, which is true. Amen. But humanism deceptively uses these truths to distract us from another biblical truth that despite being created by God, despite being loved by God, despite being made in the image of God, human beings were all debased by sin. Sin eroded and totally corrupted the heart of man, corrupting the God nature in us and replacing it with something that the Bible says is wicked. Not even fallen. Fallen's is almost putting it too short. We have a way of really glossing up the language. The Bible says wicked. There is wickedness in the heart of man because of sin. And it's a wickedness that runs so deep that the greatest, and I mean the greatest acts of kindness, the greatest acts of charity, the greatest acts of nobility are not enough to remove the stench of wickedness that comes through. Have you guys ever known someone that maybe doesn't shower, but they put on a lot of cologne? And it's like, I smell good things, but something else is underneath that's overpowering. Human righteous acts are like that manufactured scent that's trying its best to cover up weeks of no shower. That's how our righteousness smells to God. When we do things that's negating the core, it still pierces through, no matter how good the act is. And I'm not even talking about, like, like non-Christian acts. Scripture talks about people that are actually doing Christian things. They said, I prophesied in your name. I cast out demons in your name. Like, guys, I can't tell you. That's why I don't think Jesus was, I don't think it's by coincidence that Jesus spoke being born again to someone as good as Nicodemus. This wasn't some guy that was terrorizing town. But there is no deed that a human being can do that will will overpower or override the depth of wickedness that's in our hearts because of sin. When we talk to people who maybe have the cologne on, they're like, do I smell good? It's like, yo, we got to take those clothes (laughs) off. We gotta go to the laundry. We gotta like wash your clothes. We gotta get in the shower. We gotta do a deep clean. You gotta start totally over. And that's what Jesus is saying to to us today. Guys, it's not working, bro. You you we've gotta we gotta get in the water. We've got we've gotta take take you gotta take those clothes off. You've gotta do a deep clean because because what you're caking on is not covering up what lies beneath. And the only way to replace what's what's lying beneath is to be born all over again. The word says you've got to have a totally second birth. And there is no other way. And he gives this to a man who had caked on some really good stuff. but At the core of Nicodemus, it was still a wicked heart. And that would be bad news if it wasn't for grace. Because the good news is I'm going to give you a whole new birth that it's not even a product of what you've done. Not even a product of how much good stuff you've done and how many old ladies you've helped across the street. And how many, how many people that you've brought into your home. Like, I've, I got you a gift that, that doesn't even, it's, it's, it's a gift. And I said last week that you cannot work for a gift. The minute you work for a gift, it becomes compensation. And salvation is not compensation. Salvation is a gift. The new birth is a gift. You have to give it as a gift. And for some of us who are like Nicodemus, that is hard. After you've done so much, you've put in so many hours and effort of being a good person, and then you're hearing someone say, as much as I know that you were trying, it's not enough. You've got to receive my gift. You've got to receive something that bypasses all of your efforts. And though it's humbling, once you embrace it, it's the most liberating thing. Because you realize you're standing on something that's not a product of what you've built. And if you didn't build it, then you can't tear it down. It's almost like, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's, it's freeing. So I'm offering that to you guys. Jesus is that cleansing water. When Nicodemus says, How can I be born again? He says, believe in me. When you believe in Jesus and, and embrace the light and risk your sins being exposed to his eyes, it's humbling, but man, it will start your, it will reset your life. It'll reset your life, and no longer will you have any even stench of the past. You will be a complete new person. There will be no, there won't even be a smell of where you came from. His grace enables to be enables you to be born a second time, washing all of your past away, the things that you consider bad and the things that you consider good, because there's th- there's all things in our past. We're like, well, that that doesn't need to die, does it? Get yeah, all of it. The Lord will give you something completely different, and the version He gives you will be better than what you had before. Amen. I want to pray, and this is. Uh, like I said before, you know, people can be baptized today. Um, I'm guessing, um, yeah, I'm guessing you know that because this baptism, what it is, it's a, it's it reflects this concept that when you go down, everything that's old is going, is leaving, and when you come up, behold, everything from this point on is new. So I'm gonna pray. Father, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your word. I thank you for grace. I thank you for the gift of God that allows us to to cease from our dead works and to to rise in your grace and to live by your, your spirit and your power and your love and your wisdom and your direction and your light. God, I pray, Lord, for those who might have been fearing condemnation, Lord, because of their mistakes and they have they've, they've feared the light and they have feared it because they thought that it was going to be shaming and they thought it was going to be uh, exposing and, and, and condemning, Lord. But I pray, Lord, that they hear your words today, that you are not shining light on their sins to, to condemn them, but you're shining light on their sins to cover them. Lord, when we expose our sins to you, Lord, you pour your blood that you shed on the cross over every sin that we place at your feet, every failure, every addiction, every lie, every fear, every betrayal, every crime. Everything that we expose to you and we put in your light, your word says your blood covers it all. Lord, you are so much better than at covering our sins than we are. And I pray, Lord, that there are people today that will take a step and, Lord, say, here, I'm going to show you all of it. I'm going to place it all at your feet. The Bible says who confesses his sins will be, will be saved. Bible says that he who covers and conceals their sins will be condemned. So, God, I pray that you give them the courage to step into your light and trust that you are not going to condemn them. You're going to cover them, and you're going to reset their life and give them a whole new start. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm just gonna sit here for a second. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm gonna ask everyone to close with their eyes for in consideration of everybody in the room. Just close your eyes and I would like to see a show of hands of those who are ready to step into God's grace and cease from their own efforts and say, Jesus, I'm ready for you to cover all of my mistakes. I'm tired of trying to cover them myself. I'm tired of the works. I'm tired of it. I'm ready for you to give me the gift of grace. Yes, God. Keep your hands up, please. Just really quickly. That's awesome, 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 awesome. It's an act of courage, act of faith. You can put your hands down. Praise God. Praise God. People are being born again today. People are getting a new start today. I'm going to ask everyone to stand. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. Thank you, Jesus. People got born again today. They're getting born again. I know it. Repeat these words after me, let's approach the Father. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins, make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, amen. I want us to just celebrate. Make some noise if you're grateful. You can clap. You can go, woo, whatever you want. Let's just make a little noise for the Lord. Let's praise him. He's worthy of our thanks. He's worthy of our gratitude. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to be born again. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us a second birth. May we embrace it and never look back. In Jesus' name, if you said yes to him, we have a prayer team that's going to be here at the end of service. They're here to pray for you. You can also text the word BELONG to 77411. We have an option for those who chose Jesus. And we'll send you some information, some scriptures that will support you in your decision. So everyone that puts your hands up, I would love for you guys just to text along and see what we have for you. I would love for you all to do that. If you would like prayer, the same prayer team will be here to pray for you. You can also go online. And let us know your prayer requests that way. Our prayer team prays for all of the requests. Um, if you would like to give, thank you in advance. You can give online. You can give to the finance team in the back but via cash or check. Thank you in advance. And uh, I think that's, okay, oh yeah, we got next steps uh, after this right upstairs, third floor. So I'll be, I'll be leading next steps. You can come and meet the leadership and hear how to get involved with the church. Um, So I wanted to make sure I made all that clear because from this point on, we are about to celebrate someone's decision to be baptized. Thank you, Lord. So please be seated. And we won't keep you long, but I am looking forward to celebrating with our sister... Awesome. Give her a hand, everybody. How are you? Really good. Would you mind telling me, telling all of us your name and why you want to be baptized? Uh, my name's Amaris Bickley. Thank you, Jesus, for being here. Thank you Pastor Cece for having me speak because the past moments are already gone. As a resident of Nashville Rescue Mission and the homeless community for the past, for the last four years, I've made severe mistakes on my character, but he is able. (laughs) Congratulations. We are about to baptize. into the confession of your faith I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, our Lord Jesus Christ. Congratulations. It's awesome. Well, on that note, we are going to, yes, hallelujah is right, hallelujah, hallelujah. Last call, last call, anybody? Running with your clothes on? I've seen it happen before. Um, Okay, I'm going to pray and uh, just bless us as we leave. Father, thank you again for this morning. Thank you for this great group of people. Thank you for your word. I pray uh, blessings over every person who's here, every family that is represented. God, I pray your grace and your mercy on us all. Lord, I p- uh, bless our week of life groups this week. Lord, and bring us back next week at the appointed time so that we can worship and grow in you and with each other. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have a great day.